Welcome. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Podcast Nordics, a podcast constructed to enrich our tech community by connecting some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I am Christopher Asbridge, and I help connect businesses with talented freelancers, and I will be your host. Today, I'm joined by Lenny Heller, product owner from Civistic Bank, and Christopher Dowdles, product manager from Klarna, and you have Fabi, a lead product manager at CleanHub. Here we are today to talk about anything product. So before I begin, let's do some general introductions. Um, Lenny, will you go first? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Lenny, and I've been working for 15 years now within, between IT and business uh, with different roles from management consultant, delivery manager, project manager, business development, and now lately product development, product owner, uh, as a product owner here at Svea Bank, uh, building apps. And um, otherwise, I have a family, a partner, and two boys, five and seven years old. And I'm also a side hustle as NLP coach, actually, so helping other people uh, perform at career and also most of parents who can balance uh, the job and, and the family life as well with the mindset. So, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay, fantastic. Thank you very much, Lenny. Um, Christopher, we'll come to you next. All right. Hello, everyone. My name is Christopher Doudels. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands, currently based in Sweden. Uh, in the Netherlands, I used to work as a logistics manager. I had a few different positions there. Then uh, I met a really wonderful woman, and which made me move to a different country, the country where, I'm, where I am now, Sweden. And I started working at, uh, at Klarna four years ago, still working at Klarna. Uh, in the meantime, though, I've uh, done many different positions, started off in customer service there, um, worked through different positions, uh, a bit of management in customer service, uh, some other work within a product team where I got into contact with, with what product management is all about and also a bit more about engineering and IT. Got me interested in a product management role. Uh, then I started a track to do an internal move from customer service to product, which I obviously completed because here I am. Uh, did that about uh, roughly a year and a half ago. And it's probably one of the best moves I've done so far. I'm really enjoying this position. Okay, amazing, amazing. It's crazy what love can do, move from one country to the next. And here yeah. we are. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay, and last but not least, Yoav, do you mind doing an introduction on yourself, please? Of course. Hi, my name is Yoav. I am based in the Netherlands. Um, I moved here from the UK. Um, I am working currently as a product manager for a company called CleanHub. They collect and manage plastic from ending up in the ocean in countries that don't have uh, the infrastructure that we may have in Europe. Um, such as India and Indonesia. We have operations there that do the collections. And uh, we also have digital product solutions to help manage the collections and also uh, brands that want to partner with us. Uh, there's also uh, software solutions for them as well as marketing and customer service support. Um, my role there is to focus on the second part, more on the brands and consumers. Uh, before that, I've had a career of around 10 years in product management. I started off in data analysis and like product management a lot, moved into that and kind of moved between startups, scale-ups, uh, big corporations and consultancy firms. And and in most recently, as I said, uh, started working at CleanHub a couple months ago. Uh, my hobbies is important, obviously, because we discussed it just before. Uh, I do enjoy rowing and gardening when not at work, but never at the same time. 
That'd be an interesting thing to do at the same time. <laughs> it's a good challenge. To be fair, though, you are in the Netherlands. There's a lot of canals. You can put the boat in the canal and do garden off the boat. Sure, yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure if there's long enough equipment. Yeah, of course. It's a new sport for you. <laughs> right, okay. Now we've got a good context of each other. Um, let's talk about what we're going to talk about, which is anything to do with products. Now, I've came to each and every one of you and asked for a question or phrase that you would like to bring um, towards this panel. Um, so what we'll do, you have, we'll start with your question. Now, you brought the question of how to balance your work uh, for now, thinking tactically, and for the future, thinking strategically long term. Do you mind you sort of develop this and explain a little bit more for me? Yeah, for sure. So obviously in product management, you've got your team that does the creation of software. You need to know what they're doing right now. You need to help them deliver, support them in anything that they need, and obviously manage stakeholders as that delivery process happens. You also need to worry about what's happening next. So like after the thing that you're building is built, what are you going to do as a team? And again, have a good discovery process for that. Um, However, while those two things are going on, which are normally in a kind of a month circle, maybe three month circle, depending on how uh, an individual business works, there's also quite long-term things such as recruitment, how you put your product like product organization forward to potential recruits. There's also different types of long-term strategic things that may not happen in the next year, uh, may not happen in the next three months, but will happen in the next year that you should pay attention to. Otherwise, it will just creep up on you and suddenly you need to build a thing that you've never thought about. Um, and my the reason why I brought this question up is when working at larger companies, there's obviously a team to help balance that out. But now uh, when I'm back being in a startup, it's a really tiny team. It's myself and one uh, VP of product we're we're tiny we're trying to balance these things and i wanted to learn from uh, the group how they do this balance very interesting question i have to say by the way thanks it's, uh yeah it's it's super interesting if i if i may take the liberty to maybe answer or just yeah, talk about it right away yeah because uh, as soon as you you asked that question i started thinking indeed about like how does this situation actually look like in my particular work and it made me realize that it is actually something that i haven't really identified for myself as being a thing that I'm struggling with, but I do recognize the difficulties that come from this process whenever it kind of messes up a little bit. If everything goes the way it should, like you've got your roadmap, that's probably prioritized. It's roughly refined maybe, or you've got different levels of refinement depending on how far in the future the next item is. Like if you're talking on a scale of like one to two months in the future, you've got some buffer time to kind of refine a few more things along the way while your team is working on something. So that's what I try to keep. Then I've got a different backlog of some tech debt items or just minor features, minor bugs that have just been floating around that you never really get the time to work on. That I kind of sprinkle in the sprint plannings that we do alongside of the larger initiatives. Uh, but the thing that that's definitely something to figure out is I've got a data analyst and I used to have a, a product designer as well on the team to almost concurrently have multiple different work streams going at the same time to make sure that everything falls into the right cadence. And I haven't found the silver bullet yet. But it's, I've, I've fallen on my face a few times where I thought I had a couple of weeks worth of work for the team to do. Then all of a sudden you get a curveball by 
a shift in priorities or a certain dependency that is just not doing what it's supposed to do or delivering what they're supposed to do. And then all of a sudden you're left scrambling to find work. Uh, and to be honest, I found the backlog of tech debt and the minor features to really help them kind of fill in the gaps a bit to buy a, a couple of days of time to figure out what you need to figure out. And to, uh, yeah, at the same time, you're still doing something productive, reducing tech debt, for example, uh, without having the team just all of a sudden stand still. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I try to mitigate the downsides of uh, and when it comes to longer term things, so something that's more than three months away, but not necessarily like software delivery, but definitely for the product department to worry about, how do you prioritize that work? Yeah, to be honest, I think my answer is the same here. I think okay. it's, um, I try to look at what's the intended outcome of whatever work we're trying to do. And that can, you can apply that same kind of question. What's the intended outcome to both technical development, but also larger, larger scale strategic goals. Like what are we trying to achieve here? And then it's a matter of comparing what you're trying to achieve. Do you want to go for short-term profits maybe or gains or whatever you might be looking for? Or is there a larger gain to be had but with a bigger initiative? And then sometimes it becomes very obvious if you try to go down into the data to see what am I trying to improve here? What's our intended outcome? And then, oh, pretty obvious. That's what we're going to prioritize right now because then long-term We'll achieve this instead of that and that's beneficial because of xyz but sometimes it's also kind of yeah difficult to get that comparison right to see what's in the company's interest and then i mean Klarna is a fairly large company then i have the luxury to to ask my manager or, or the manager above to kind of get some alignment on what is in the company's interest here hmm. but it starts with data cool thank you yeah i can uh talk about how uh, this is challenge i think it's a very common challenge that we need to focus on the product development and the features that are going to be deployed or released soon then you have the next feature that's in line and then you have something more long-term more strategic things of the project of the product which is very very challenging and i think what we've been trying at least is to schedule time for do some discovery and do some work on the upcoming features that are coming next for example i have some of my UXs i can do some research and talking with the stakeholders and people that are needed for for in the next uh, release uh, but also long term talking with the uh, stakeholders about what the expectations are, are on the product and really try to work backwards like how what do we need to do to make this work well in that place we need to have this kind of infrastructure in place first and then we need to have this kind of features in place before we can start that and that kind of helping a little bit about what we need to focus on now and next but i think the most important is to actually start working on things in parallel uh, for example we have the next feature that is coming this fall uh, and uh, we have already done a lot of discovery and research and talking with all the tech people involved there, and they are kind of already ready to implement, <laughs> but we are not ready with the first feature yet. So I think uh, that's a good that we kind of been in progress with that, but we have not forced it. We have been taking it when we have the time. And like you, Christoph said, sometimes when it's lack of times, so maybe or something, they are not nothing happened, and we are blocked with something else. We can use that time to really work with with those things that are more in the future, for example. Yeah. Awesome, thank you.
Mm. I'm just uh, giving it some more thought. And I think actually, if you know what you're like, what are you trying to achieve with your product as a whole? Like the more crisp you have your vision or your mission mapped out, that that helps with getting like the answer to the question, what should I prioritize now? And then it's like, logically, it should be whatever is going to get you closer to, with your intended outcome or with your intended goal. What's what is going to give you the yeah, highest return on investment? Mm. But it, it's tricky to keep that sort of large scale thinking and apply it to your day to day work. You kind of tend to forget about those mm. old processes sometimes and get stuck in the details. It's really easy to just focus on the daily things. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're all nodding away, just as a podcast. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an agreement like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, curious to hear from you, actually, of uh, how, I mean, you, you must try to find a balance uh, yeah. for yourself. How does it look? Yeah, I mean, um, as I said, um, when, when working in other companies, there's a bit more that there's a bit more room because there's a bit more team to spread uh, the work around and we can say oh yeah of course this is what's happening now this is what's happening in the near future and then for the long-term future we don't need to worry about or like a single product person doesn't need to worry about all the things you can worry about one thing so one person can worry about strategy for this strategy for that maybe strategy for recruitment um, and now where we are um, as a tiny team and a tiny startup again it's more trying to balance out like how soon do we need to be ready for the thing before it's like not too late like almost too late so i know that we'll probably be need to do another uh, push for recruiting in the next 12 months it doesn't mean that i start with recruiting uh today but we may start recruiting in the next cup or not start recruiting start building content for recruitment start building up our brand image that people in the community of product management or engineering or marketing would say hey clean hub it doesn't only do a good thing it also is a fun company to work at um, then for other uh, more immediate strategic things of it's about to be the next quarter what are we going to do it's now the middle of this quarter already starting to think about what that is starting to get um, the right stakeholders engaged. So there's hopefully uh, less surprises and more time for us to get things wrong. Because if it's now quite some time till the start of the next quarter and we've got ideas, it's really okay if some of them don't align with the goal or we fail in the discovery process. And as we get closer, we should get in confidence of, hey, these ideas are pretty, pretty good they survived this amount of discovery therefore they'll probably be all right if we build it mm -hmm. so you're pretty, pretty happy with the use of answers that you got you have yeah yeah no it was really it was really nice to, to hear from the group thank you okay does anyone else have any input on this particular topic you're all shaking your head again <laughs> like <laughs> we're still on the podcast <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm thinking what uh, if there's anything that I want to add, but I think it's just data is so important sometimes. Sometimes you're like, without having the right data, you're just left wondering, what should I do? What should I do? And then as soon as you have data, it all of a sudden becomes crystal clear. Like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do because the numbers say so. Well, simply said, yeah. like there's a, <laughs> there's a lot more to it, but it's, it, it can make it so much simpler sometimes and just boil it down to just the most simple possible uh, 
solution. That's what I try to do. Yeah, I mean, I can add to that as well. I think data is very important and data analytics understanding the product, how the user actually is using the product and also to make sure if we build the next feature or whatever it is we're building the product to really also understand if that really is a need of the user. So really be clear in the discovery uh, phase as well. Like, are we building something that nobody is actually wanting to use or need? So that's something also helping with a strategic um, way of going. Like we have this idea, we think it should be good, but maybe we don't need all of this, or maybe you don't need it at all, depending on kind of user research or data analytics or whatever we, we can use to make that decision. Um, so I would totally agree that data is very important as well for feature building and future of the product development. Yeah, I mean, we didn't plan this call, but uh, we're all in agreement and I, I completely agree, like the data and qualitative research combined make good storytelling and that's kind of what we need to do as product managers when we talk to people. So yeah, mm. no, I, I really appreciate these uh, answers. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. What we'll do, we'll move on to the next person. Um, Chris, we'll come to you next. So Christopher, you came to me with a quite a nice question is, how have you adapted your team rituals and practices to the function in a hybrid remote setup? Very key in today's society, especially with the pandemic, hopefully behind us, but it is still there. Um, can you explain a little bit further for us? Yeah, um, so as I said in my introduction, I've been uh, working in product for not that long. And I started, I mean, in the middle of the pandemic, so everything for me has always been remote from the start. Um, and also still being fairly new, I, I tend to read a lot of books and to figure out like, what is product management? How do I develop myself? How do I, like, which kind of soft skills can I kind of learn? And I found that a lot of what is written now is kind of written from the perspective of being in an actual room like story mapping, you hang stuff up on the, on the, like literally on the wall or on the whiteboard or like things like this tend to be written from a perspective of being in a physical room. So I felt like, okay, I need to adapt that or kind of change that into a digital only setting because I kind of have to. Um, I'm used to that, but I'm really interested to hear from the both of you if you have had to go through a transition where you're used to a certain way of working in a physical world and then all of a sudden have to transition that into something digital and how you how you change that, what you learn from that, uh, any upsides, downsides, anything really. Uh, I'm not sure who to give the word to first, but... Uh, Anyone can just jump straight in. Um, I can start. Uh, if I'm just talking about the experience here at Sevilla, I have experience from other country, companies as well, of course, uh, because I was another during the pandemic. Uh, but I think um, many people were really used to be working from home. And I think it was all about the, the communications and really getting used to using Teams and the different tools that are there. Uh, but what's been happening here is via that people are been going back to the office like uh, slowly, like a few days a week or um, sometimes it was supposed to be full time. And it's, it's, but it's very flexible. Uh, so I think for the team we have some days that most people are at place and then we can have these meetings if we need maybe some workshops and stuff like that and be really close and discuss things which is really good uh, and during the other times we do have uh, um, really good communication in the in rocket chat or tfs wherever we are working on to really working with 
the ways of working and how should we work in the group, have the retro every month and see how can we improve, how can we make the pull request go faster and so on to really make this work. So I think it's all about finding the right ways of working, having the tools as well that so we can collaborate as well. Uh, for example, how can we do a whiteboard uh, digital? I know, I know that teams have one, uh, as I saw, but there are different tools that we could find, but that also can be used uh, for for workshopping and the post-it notes and, st and stuff like that. So I think that is the key. Uh, we do have one team that is not here based in Stockholm at all, so they are remote all the time. So we are kind of combining that the whole time. But the ones by, based in Sona, it's kind of we need to be here uh, some certain days and then we can plan some workshops or discussions and meetings that are really crucial to have people here in place. Uh, which has uh, been really working well so far, uh, mm. but it's hard. I know people are getting used to working from home and uh, yeah, get the technology is not always working, the VPN is not working or, you know, so I mean, that's a challenge as well. So, yeah. Um, for me, I've, I've faced this challenge before the pandemic as well, working in larger companies that have teams uh, all over Europe and even sometimes in the US, I think, um, and I think now, uh, first, I work in a company that is remote first, so we are set up to work remotely, even though we do have a head office in Berlin. Um, and how I see it happening after COVID or like during COVID is this hybrid is becoming more acceptable. So there's less resistance from everyone involved, which is a nice thing to see because it's kind of the reality that the, of work. Um, one thing that I would uh, reiterate from Lenny is like find the right tools that work for, for you and your team. So of course, just to use your example, Chris, you can't sit in a room with a whiteboard or you maybe can, but then you need to use a camera phone to make sure that everyone can see what's going on. There are whiteboarding tools, mirror mural, plenty of others, I'm sure that can help do that function. But then for you, if you are ending up the person being the facilitator, read up about how to facilitate online uh, design thinking workshops or product workshops, whatever you're trying to run. Um, I had the luxury of working with some really talented service designers uh, back in the consultancy firm and learned a lot from them about like how to run workshops, both in the real world and digitally. The, there's people from that community writing on tools like Medium, where you can find like relatively succinct articles about this specific challenge. And then again, going back to what Lenny's saying, if it's like task management, there's so many task management tools, whatever your team likes, go for it. It's a way for you to track what's going on. So you as a product manager can be like, oh, so-and-so is doing this and that, but also for you to explain to the team that you're working with, like, hey, you're, we're now doing this soon. We will be doing the next thing on our roadmap, the next thing that we need to do for the business. And um, like, again, it's not only about the right tools, but making sure that you uh, over communicating, especially now that you can't go to someone's desk and be like, oh, hey, how's that thing going? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I'd say those uh, three things. Yeah, that's the thing, right? You, you miss uh, being able to just stand next to someone or the, the typical, uh, or yeah, almost cliche perhaps, uh, coffee machine talk where you get the beautiful word coming in serendipity to you kind of talk, you hear someone, you all of a sudden find something, hey, we've got a problem in common. You, you miss those things. But to be honest, I found it a bit of a challenge maybe in the beginning, but after a while, you get really used to using certain tools indeed. 
uh, and then you, you'll find a way to make the best of what you've got. Uh, and sometimes I think it actually is preferred to be digital. Uh, I think it, there, there's a few things that work better. I think if you're just all already in, working in the same tool, like because I also said Miro or Figma for design, it, it works fine if you're remote and just calling and working on your laptop. You don't have to be physically close to each other. So yeah. over, overall, from your own perspective, Christopher, Lenny, Yovel, with your perspective here, what, what do you think is best for you? Working remote, hybrid, or in the office all the time? What, what is best from your personal perspective, shall I say? I would say, personally speaking, I would prefer a hybrid setup. Um, just uh, there are certain things that work beautifully on the distance, but they don't work at all uh in person or much harder in person and vice versa so if you have the flexibility to be able to plan the things that work by being physically together on the days that you're in the office and then you've got the other days where you're at home just spent on going from one call to the next or uh, doing a, a bunch of writing and or documentation updates to me personally that works really nice i, I like that setup yeah I, I totally agree with that as well to having like we have some certain days that we know people will be in place. You can do the coffee machine talk and you can set up the workshop where we need to dig deep into maybe major problems and so whatever it's needed. Then the other days you can be home and some days you might be more productive because nobody's coming and talk to you the whole time and focus on maybe admin or whatever you need to do. Or, uh, so I think that's really good to combine that. And I think that's the same for anyone in the team as well, not just for, for us as product uh, owners or managers. So yeah. Okay, nice. And you have? Yeah, I tend to agree. But as I mentioned, my my current role is 100% remote. So I try and work out of the house once in a while to get a feeling of I'm not in the same room every day. But uh, it's uh, I signed up for this. So it's all good. <laughs> See, uh, you know, I, I definitely agree with you there. And I'm stuck in the UK, but I'm allowed to travel across Europe and travel and it's nice you come to the office every day like oh you wake up home every day you go it's sometimes yes. it becomes so mundane and then sometimes it's like it's nice to go to a nice coffee shop somewhere new and it's just refreshing new environments and i find i'm a lot more productive in them sort of environments because it's something new and not the same old boring office bottle every day yeah i to be honest i, I sometimes catch myself thinking I'm super comfortable here at home. Uh, I like my work, but it's like I'm looking at the same like laptop and screen the whole day. And then sometimes I go to the office and I feel like, oh, wow, I actually work at a huge company. Like Klarna is massive. We do huge things. The impact that we have is, is mental and I'm just doing it from my living room. What? <laughs> it's, it's, it just feels, I don't know. It feels as if the impact of my work, even though it's the same, is less impactful because i'm just doing it from my living room uh not sure if i word that correctly but i, I really like when i feel like oh i'm stepping into the office there's like two thousand people work at the stockholm office if it's not more uh like yeah we're we're a massive global company that's this is awesome but to then have that feeling and then go back home again and feel the comfort of my own home and still do the same work is uh it's a fun fun experience mm. It's a feeling when you get to the office, it's also kind of like you are part of something as well. You may not feel that much when you're working from your living room, 
room, but when you are going to the office and you meet all the colleagues, you feel like you are actually more part of the company and the colleagues and the, the social part as well is, uh, is not to be missed as well. I, I do love to be at the office and meet all the colleagues. So, so, so I think that's the greatest feeling that you are a part of a big company. It's a great way also to be in the office to get that feeling as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Radio. Um, so, Krista, I know we sort of went on a bit of a tangent at the very end there. Has that sort of answered your question? Uh, yeah, it has. Um, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's it's, in, it's interesting to hear from your perspectives. I saw both of you have uh, a lot more experience, so I figured, oh, you've gone through this transition. How has that gone? But it's uh, it's interesting to see how well everyone seems to have made it through, and. It's also very interesting to, to see different companies trying to go for different setups and then seeing how that is going to land. So yeah, of you being in a uh, remote first mm -hmm. uh, company is very interesting. I think Lenny, you said that Svea encourages people to come to the office at least yeah. one or two days. And then me at Klarna, initially they, uh, Klarna, they did say uh, one or two days at the office and then the, the rest of the days you can do what you want. But now they've changed that to being, if you want to be fully remote, you can be so. If you want to be at the office, mm. you can also be so. So we're getting quite a lot of flexibility and it's interesting to see what are different people choosing to settle into. You can see some people are going full for remote, others are at the office almost four days a week. Um, so yeah, the flexibility is lovely. I think it's uh, really cool to see how companies are uh, adapting to this. Yeah, makes a, makes a lot of sense. I mean, if I just for the record, if I was living in Berlin, I'd be doing the flex of sometimes going to the office, sometimes staying at home. I live a bit far up from Berlin at the moment. But yeah, cool. Okay, fantastic, fantastic. So we just established the flexibility is key. Um, yeah. Right, okay. Last but not least, Lenny, we will come to yourself. Now, you brought a lovely question of the product with a team with different competencies, how to make the best use of different competencies. Can, could you mind if you sort of elaborates a little bit more for us? Yeah, uh, I was thinking about the product itself, the value of the product, and uh, not this, well, the team, of course, but uh, how can we bring the best value into the product uh, with the different competencies that we have within the team? I mean, there are the iOS developer and the developer that have different kind of technologies behind. We had the backend developers, senior, junior people, UX, UI designers, and Right, so I mean, they all have different competencies, and how can we make us work together and bring the best of all of them and really bring in a good value into the product? Um, basically, what I'm uh, asking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, for example, I mean, um, we do need to uh, really think of the product value. Uh, kind of always, because otherwise if you build something that's not usable for the customer, it's really a waste of time. So, uh, and to kind of everyone in the in the team to understand that and how can we bring that up with the different competencies to, mm -hmm. to understand that and collaborate within the team as well. Yeah. Um, first, I think it's a challenge that everyone faces. So it's really nice that you, you brought that up. And I think the, the easiest answer is it takes time. But like in that in that sense, like you're not going to get it. Like even if you do all the right things, it will take time for people to get used to this way of working. Like obviously, if they're not used to this way of working, change takes a bit of time when when 
at work. Um, but what I would say is first, you're on the right, like you said the thing of like, what is the goal? What is the purpose? And bring, make sure that everyone knows what that is, regardless of the thing that they're building. So hopefully you can galvanize or get everyone together and say like, hey, we're working towards the thing and that's our goal. And we will achieve this by doing whatever is on your roadmap or whatever you know you need to build. And then when it comes to balancing different competencies, so I'm I'm reading a bit into your question of maybe there's some front end work is blocked by back end work or, or vice versa, then it's kind of, if that is true I, and is identified, then you need to discuss it with the team of how to solve this. I mean, um, the ways that I've, I've faced it and served it before is to say, let's work on this one item together and make sure that the two, if you're sitting in the same office, sitting next to each other when tackling that particular thing, if not uh, obviously working remotely. Uh, something that's also interesting that I'm not sure that's your challenge uh, in particular, Lenny, but how to get like non-engineers involved in, in this cycle. I also think it's it's really important. So in, in previous roles and in this role, like getting marketing and customer services involved in what product is doing, especially if you're facing either B2B or B2C customers to make sure that they know what you're building, they can support the rollout of the thing, they can maybe even support the uh, the input of what goes into the thing that you're building and having that um, or like cross-functional team beyond just software engineering and design is also like a challenge that again, if you focus on goals, eventually people will come uh, to, to work nicely together. And, you know, I, I hope obviously if you're working towards the right goals. Uh, so yeah, that's my answer. Mm. I think it's um, to, uh, to maybe yeah, continue on on that a little bit. It's very important that if you're communicating about what, what we're trying to achieve and how we're trying to get there. And I think it's very important to make sure that everybody knows what their particular part is in uh, achieving this success and getting them excited about what they need to do. Um, I think at the end of the day, you need to get people to feel like what they're doing and what they're spending their time on is worth their time and effort. Um, you try to get like an empowered feeling like they, they know and they want them to, to contribute to the goal that you're painting or the, yeah, the, the result that needs to be achieved. And to add something that Chris mentioned earlier, uh, use data. So if you're saying this is the goal, at the start of, let's say you're working on a quarter, you started the quarter, your data was this, you're, mm. let's say, increasing the number of sales. And therefore you can encourage the team to say like, hey, we're going on the right track, we're doing great. And if we're not doing great, then let's pause, investigate. Maybe we missed something. And by combining the goal and the measurableness of that goal and communicating that, again, it can give the team a purpose or like a knowledge of why they're building the thing that they're building. Yeah, mm. I think, um, one thing that I that we kind of learned throughout the last year within the team and that we, we've been working on as well is that there's a lot of activity going on in discovering something, figuring out what do we need to do, going and building it, figuring out the best solution to solve the problem, all that cool stuff. And then you're done and it's launched. But then what happens after? Like there should be like the, the, feed, the feedback loop that should be in place. It wasn't really in place for us at, the, at that moment. And we tried to, uh, especially with the analyst, try to get some more positive feedback coming into the team. Like, remember that feature or change that we made or this or that that we did uh, after 
couple of days, couple of weeks, uh, depending on what we did. This is the benefit that we saw. And remember, this was the goal that we set. This is what we uh, ended up achieving. And I think that is super important to feed that back again to the team to, mm. for the next thing, again, get the feeling of, yeah, no, what we're doing and working on uh, is, is worth the time. Mm. Yeah. That's um, I'm just, I think actually the, it kind of goes back into the, um, the working remotely as well. Another thing that we bumped into was um, being remote and then also being a cross-competence team means sometimes you're just a, a few people in the team were just working on their own problem basically. And then in the morning, jump into the stand-up, you give a couple updates. I, as a product manager, have contact with everybody in the team or not, maybe not on a daily basis, but uh, at least weekly. So I get like a feeling of what is going on, but between each other, they're not really communicating that much if there's no necessity for this. Mm. Um, and to give some context, I've, the competences that I have in my team are a few back-end engineers, a few front-end engineers, uh, engineering manager as well. And then I've got a data analyst and a data scientist. And I used to have a data, um, a product designer as well. Um, so now, especially with analysts, data scientists, and then the different engineers, we basically have four different silos that were happening. Um, and one thing that we started doing was basically introduce a new team ritual where uh, every two weeks on a Wednesday, we had a, a 30 minute slot saved for demos. And I encouraged everybody and kind of like a rotating and then rotating based on competence kind of schedule to just demo what you're working on. Treat it as like a, um, uh, like a, an open PR maybe like let's all just look into the work that the backend has done. What have they tried to achieve? How did they, or what did they try to solve? And how did they do that? Um, sometimes we had the data scientists who pulled together a new data set to, uh, to show something else. I found that that had created not only more sort of cohesiveness in the team and a feeling of everybody knows what they're doing, but actually also a couple of times it, it led to really interesting problem solving where in the demo, analyst or data scientist or engineer brings forth their problem solution that they have so far, but it's not really done yet. And then all of a sudden you get this organic sort of, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Hmm. Um, and I, as a, like from the product perspective, I've used that same demo to do my product pitch that I'm doing towards all our partners to try to use our product. But the team has never seen that pitch. So I treated them as if they were a partner that I'm trying to get onboarded onto our product. And then all of a sudden I get a bunch of feedback of, you didn't really mention these or these benefits that our product mm -hmm. also brings. Have you thought about that or this? And then, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like a, a simple exercise, but it has multiple different benefits. That's a really good idea because we do have demo every week actually, and we do demo the app every time. Uh, we did demo some backend things actually before, but we stopped doing it in some ways. So that was actually a good reminder uh, to actually bring all the competencies to demo as well. UX was the demo as well. We did design the or creating for the next phase and so on. So, but to actually involve the other. Um, competencies as well the back end of doing a huge job right now a lot of things over the architecture and everything so i mean that's definitely a good reminder to actually bring all the competencies to them and what they are doing on, on the mm -hmm. demos yeah. i i completely agree with everything that the two that the two of us you discussed um and just to add like when it comes to data science pro work or back end work sometimes it's quite not that in, not that nice to demo in a way and then if they prepare a 
single slide as a minimum just to be like we did the thing this is why we did the thing this is the technology we used and this is the results we got and then let's say someone who isn't a technical person but is attending the um demo can sit through the technical presentation but kind of have an idea of what the engineers are talking about and um what the the only other thing is maybe you can invite your stakeholders to those demos again depending on the the pressure on the team but i think it's really good that stakeholders know what's going on and demo is a perfect opportunity to to show progress mm -hmm. yeah for sure okay fantastic lenny did that sort of answer your question i know we've been up and down there a little bit yeah but i think i think it has uh definitely so um thank you mm. Have I have to thought now because it's I have to think back on the first couple of weeks when I started as a product manager and actually one of my first questions that I had for myself was also what do these different competencies actually do I didn't really yeah. know uh, mm. and I made sure to have one-on-ones with every everyone in the team and I kind of asked them I think that your responsibilities are these and I therefore I would expect this to come from you Am I correct there? Yes or no? And just opened up a dialogue like this to kind of see how do they feel like they fill in their position or uh, the the competence itself and how does that fit into the larger picture? Mm. And mm. I found that uh, very useful to be honest. Like I did it because I was new, but maybe sometimes it doesn't really hurt to kind of re mm. revisit that one actually again. Like I, my expectations on are here. Are they in line with what you see? Yes or no? That's very good. Yeah. Yeah, because that's what I see sometimes that they have the different competencies uh, within the team and they are working with different things and different parts of the product or have different purposes and try to bring that in a line together and into that they all kind of bring in the value. Of course, we need to communicate, understand that they are what they're actually doing is a value, uh, but also how really, really use that kind of competencies that they have and their strengths that they each person have. Uh, both as individuals as well uh, into the team and bring that forward uh, into the product. Um, yeah, so I think that's definitely a good thing to to really talk with the team again. I did it when I started last year as well. So, but it's been a year now, so maybe it's good to refresh. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm. yeah. I think trust is super important here to yeah. to trust them that they know what they're mm. supposed to be doing. And uh, yeah. Mm. Okay, fantastic. Well, we'll leave it there. And this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank um, you have uh, Christopher, Lenny, thank you so much for participating and giving your insights over such an important topic, which is anything products. Um, if you'd like to get involved with any upcoming product podcasts, feel free to reach out to me. You know exactly where to find me. And thank you very much once again.